Welcome to Alive and Thriving. We have a special guest joining us today. Lucia Rivaseri is from Nutrition is Medicine. Lucia is a nutritionist and chemical engineer with a focus on microbiome and genetics. She helps individuals and families resolve their health issues via a microbiome and genetic nutritional program approach. Lucia believes that health is more than just eating the right food. It requires an evidence-based approach with the right testing, food plan, and blood biochemistry that identifies exactly what you need. In 2023, Lucia is changing the narrative around nutrition by offering a six-month nutritional medicine signature program, which we will hear all about at the end of this episode. If you have been experiencing gut health issues, if you know that you can be doing more to support your health and well-being from the inside out, then this episode is for you. This is Alive and Thriving, where we tackle all things that stand in the way of holistic well-being and self-care in life and as women in business. Join me for real and raw conversations and inspiring guests who are expert in their fields as we come back to life together, overcoming stress, anxiety, nourishing our mind, body, and emotions. I am your host, Jessica Reed, alternative therapist, life and well-being coach. And if you are ready to grow, heal, and thrive together, then you are in the right place. So I have introduced our wonderful guest here, but before I let her formally introduce herself, I just want to tell you guys that I'm having a little bit of a fangirl moment today. So Lucia is someone who I followed on Instagram for quite a while before I even realized that we were in the same sort of mentoring network. Um, And she is so knowledgeable, so intelligent, and what is so apparent when you follow her is her genuine interest and passion for women's overall health and women and children's gut health. Uh, Welcome, Lucia, to the podcast. How are you going today? I'm good. Thanks for having me here, Jess. I've been, um, I've been wanting to, sorry, trying to fix my phone here. I've been wanting to have a chat for some time. So thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. As I said, I'm, I'm fangirling. I have, I make a point of watching your stories. Really? So much. Yes, I do. And I have done for years. They have so much information um, that is just so unbelievably, unbelievably helpful when it comes to looking after your gut health, when it comes to just overall women's health. Honestly, I'll give, I'll put, um, I'll put all of Lucia's Instagram details, uh, nutrition is medicine in the show notes, but yeah, get over there and check her out. I would just say nice and early for anybody who. Uh, is struggling with not feeling their best, not feeling like they are even feeling healthy, struggling with gut issues, struggling with stress, and just knowing that it is time to make themselves feel better. Go and check her out. So welcome. <laughs> that was a long introduction. I am in Canberra today. Well, I'm always in Canberra, but today it is like winter. It is absolutely like winter. What's it like up there? You're in Brisbane, aren't you? Yeah, so we had 
a really hot day yesterday. Like it was ridiculous. It 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 was muggy all day, and then we got a storm, and now today it's it's cooled down, but it's it's still really hot. So we're we're experiencing well and truly into summer now. Yeah. But the weather's still really up and down. We might get some cold days and like we'll get a day of cold and then the next day it's scorching hot. So it's really random. Yeah. We, you know, we've been renovating our backyard since June and it has rained. We ripped out the whole yard and it has rained every single week. Oh, my God. So we still have this big mud pile and I'm wondering if summer's ever going to come for us down here at the moment. <laughs> So I have introduced you just with your formal bio at the beginning of this episode, but would you like to share a little bit more with our listeners about who you are and sort of how you got to where you are now? Yeah, so I'm a chemical engineer and I still work as an engineer and I've been developing my business nutrition is medicine for four years now, Um, but I've been well and truly in the health space for over 10 years. I used to, it all started once I had my kids, but even before that, I was really into health and fitness, mostly fitness and doing bodybuilding comps and and learning all the things through there. And then once I had my kids, I got into more gut health stuff. You know, as, as you know, once you have kids, you start really going back to the basics with health and seeing that development. So gut health was a huge area that I knew probably six years ago was going to be the forefront of health. So I knew about microbiome testing about six years ago and I knew, and and also genetic testing, but I knew that that was going to be how we would have to eat, would be according to our microbiome. So then I I basically um, found an Australian company called Smart DNA that does uh, microbiome and genetic testing. So they do two different types of testing. They do IBS, microbiome testing as well. And I became a practitioner through them. So they trained me to interpret their reports and understand how to do testing for people. And then I niche that into my business. So my niche mm-hmm. very much is microbiome testing and genetic testing for those who really want to get into all that. And so my core offerings have morphed over time, but basically I like to do what I call a gut wellness package and an ultimate wellness package because I feel the only way to really help people is to really go through the whole journey. So it's not enough to just do a one-on-one consult. I like to do the the sort of initial consult and then we go away and and get your microbiome testing done. We come back, we have a look at what it says. We do blood testing as well. Like, and I have a list that I always send all my clients. Like when they sign up with me, you get your PDF of the blood test you need to get done and how to prepare for them. You go to your GP, you get it done. You come back, I do a 30-minute consult and I walk you through what's really going on there. I analyze it all again. And then with the microbiome findings, I then write a seven-day eating plan and a supplement protocol. So that's my whole approach is that it's not guessing with the diet, it's not guessing with the food. It's very much tailored to, well, these are the areas of your gut that need help. So this is how we're going to approach your food and your supplements. And so it'll be different for everyone, but that's – so I help individuals. And I also help families and kids. And so I don't kind of, at the moment, I haven't niched into just women's health or just pediatrics. Um, It tends to be mostly women, mostly um, mums who are sort of 35 plus, but I don't obviously, that's just what tends to happen, but I don't obviously niche in that age. But um, it's always the mums who have had years of issues and they've finally gone enough's enough 
and what I hear often is I don't know what to eat. Yeah. I don't know what to eat anymore. I've tried all the things. I'm confused by the information I see on social media. I read that we should be going vegan. I read that we should be doing carnivore. I read that we should be doing all these cleansers. I don't know what to do. Yeah. So no, that's no. where I feel my, my passion has come into that going, okay, forget about all that. We need to focus as to what your body needs now based on evidence, which is the testing. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like just, I mean, knowing myself, I'm in that age. I'm just, well, I'm 34. So I'm in that age bracket, but I know for me, you know, it took years and years of having different issues before I even realized that those issues weren't something that I was supposed to be living with. Um, and that, you know, that I actually needed help and tried various diets and all sorts of things. So yeah, I guess I feel like when we get to our mid thirties, we start realizing, you know, there's got to be a better way of living and we don't want to feel like crap forever. <laughs> and, and hopefully Absolutely. we find the right person to help us. Now I that's the just hardest part. Also... I think that's, yeah, I was gonna say that's the hardest part I think is where do you start and who do you see? And I can honestly say in my lifetime, I've seen about 10 naturopaths. Yeah. Like I have seen that many practitioners. Um, and that's probably why I became qualified is because I went, hang on, you know what? I just want to learn this for myself because it was always my passion. It was my goal in my early 20s to become a doctor. I did chemical engineering and went, I don't want to do any more study. <laughs> and, and then worked for 10 years until I went, I really love the fitness and health space. And I was always, I was always doing that in the, in the background. So I go to work and, and, but my passion, I've always had my Instagram page. I've had my Instagram page for about 12 years yeah, right. in the, in the health and fitness space. Yeah. I've always been like, but that's always been where I go back to. That's always where I spend all my time in. So I then went in 2018, I decided to get qualified as a nutritionist. Yeah. And so but went to Torrance university, got qualified this year, this year I became a, officially registered as a nutritionist and that's when I could I felt the confidence to really take off and I've absolutely delved into the practitioner training like you wouldn't believe this year um but I know what you mean because I myself have gone through my own gut issues journey since having kids it does impact your health Mm -hmm. and we can't ignore that that if you have even if you have a natural birth there's interventions that can happen that can disrupt the microbiome Mm -hmm. and Certainly C-sections are a huge disruption to the microbiome. Um, so often the IBS comes as a result of those things. Mm. And that, that can be the trigger. For me, three years ago, having my second child was the trigger of SIBO and IBS really badly. Yeah. Um, and you can live with that for ages, trying all the different things, and it's really hard to live like that. So I get it. I think at some point you need to say, no, I need to resolve this and, yeah. and commit to that. Yeah, absolutely. And commit to it. That's exactly right as well, because there's no magic wand fix. What I love about what you just um, talked to us about in terms of your offering and the way that you work with people is how uniquely individualized it's them, like right down to what is going on with the microbiome inside your gut, you know, to, yes. to actually tailor them their own uh, their own eating plan to get healthy. Yes. Um, yes. Just for anybody listening though, who is like, microbiome about fifteen times a <laughs> Can you just tell yes. us really briefly, just for anybody who's unsure what microbiome is or has heard the word 
so many times now knows that it is related to gut health, but doesn't understand yet the importance of it. Tell us why the microbiome is so important. Yeah, it's a good question, actually. Um, I, I forget that sometimes because I look at it so much that I forget that people need to, I need to reel it back and go back to, hang okay. on, what are, what are we talking about And we about hear here? it all the time. You hear it yeah. everywhere. Um, and so I just want, I mainly want, I would love you to explain it because I would love listeners to really understand that it's not just a buzzword that people mm. are, are saying um, to try and get you to come and, you know, trial their products. Like the microbiome has so much impact yes. on your health. So um, I think, yeah, so I'll explain that. So the correct word is actually microbiota, not microbiome, because microbiome actually includes parasites, uh, yeast and other things, but the microbiota is the actual bacteria that live in your large intestine. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about gut microbiome, we're talking about the bacteria in your large intestine, which is where most of the magic happens. So your gut bacteria in your large intestine take the fiber that can't be broken down in the stomach. So mostly plant fiber, but there is components of meats and fats that help, but it's mostly plant fiber that doesn't get broken down completely in the stomach through your enzymes and your um, hydrochloric acid. It passes undigested to feed the microbiome in the large intestine where then that large intestine, uh, so that micro, so the bacteria then break down diff, different kinds of food, and they make what's called short chain fatty acids. So you may have heard of that, but probably don't know what that means. And short chain fatty acids are basically byproducts of the bacterial process of breaking down fiber, and they have a, they have lots of purposes in the body. So some short chain fatty acids that they make are called butyrate, propionate, acetate, succinate, just to name a few. All four of those two different things. Succinate, for example, is mostly a blood glucose metabolism byproduct that helps balance the blood sugar in your body. Others will reduce mucosal inflammation. Others will help intestinal motility so that you can actually poop. And then others will actually um, uh, help the immune system. And others will actually make vitamins. So they all make different things. Um, What happens when that's not in balance is that you're not making those things in the right levels. And so your immune system suffers, your vitamin balance is low, um, you you end up with blood glucose problems. And so I find doing a microbiome test, we actually see the levels of all these things. And we actually see how many bacterial species do you actually have in your gut? And of those, how many are actually doing good things and how many are actually causing problems. And sometimes some people can have an overgrowth of bacteria that was um, commensal or was a good bacteria that's now causing problems. Mm -hmm. And it is diet related. It's also stress related and sleep related, but, and also medication related. So all these factors in your lifestyle disrupt that balance of the bacteria in your gut. Yeah. And, and so what that's why be healing. Yeah. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. Oh, yeah, so, what so, yeah, so, be healing? So how would they how would they become alert to something might be going on in their in their So gut? classic classic signs is constant bloating, mm-hmm. constant farting, constant burping, constipation, diarrhea, gut pains, constantly getting sick, constantly tired. Mm-hmm. Now you just most people me experience... from 2017 to 2021. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, people will experience any one of those things. And I think the big red flags for me are if you're constantly in that state. So you might have a bad day of eating because you indulged, but that should go away within 24 hours once you pass your stool. Oops, hang on. Sorry, my, I'm going to make Once your bacteria break everything down and you actually poop everything out, you actually should go back to normal. Yeah. But, but if you're constantly in that state, then you know there's a general problem all the time in the microbiome. And that's why I always say to people, we, I, I need to see what your gut is doing. I need to see what's happening here because that will very much determine what food you should be eating mm. and what supplements you should be taking. So that's why in one of my Instagram posts I said, probiotics will not heal your gut on their own. They won't. Because, first of all, what's drain, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And sometimes you don't actually need probiotics, you need prebiotics. And I, I actually work more in the prebiotic space than I do probiotics. I actually don't um, give people probiotics that often anymore. Mm. It is most of the other gut support stuff. So there's obviously very specific um, uh, brands and supplements I use, which are all about um, healing gut lining, um, putting butyrate and things back in, feeding the good bugs so they can grow mm. and just start functioning properly. So most probiotics don't actually colonize the gut. They just pass right through. Yeah. So that's is, another is it thing. true that a lot of over-the-counter, and I don't actually know where I heard this from, so maybe you could just clarify this for me. A lot of the <laughs> yeah. over-the-counter ones that you can get don't even have enough of the bacteria strain in it to even make it down to the intestine. Yeah, it depends how they're encapsulated. So that's a good point, actually. The geneticist from Smart DNA said to me one day, Taking probiotics in powder is a total waste of time. They'll never make it down to your large intestine because they'll just get eaten up by your hydrochloric acid in the stomach. Mm-hmm. So she says you have to always take probiotics in capsule and you can get ones that are like the cellulose, very thin capsule that you can open up and you can also get ones that are called enteric coated, which are quite thick because they're designed to not break down until they get to the large intestine. Mm. So, yeah, it depends. And some... It's interesting, some probiotics aren't even viable at all. So some brands make probiotics and those probiotics have zero active, active activeness about them at all. They just don't do anything. So um, brand of probiotic matters and then the strain, the specific strain really matters mm-hmm. and the colonizing unit, so how much of it is in there matters as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really quite interesting, all of that. Well, that makes complete sense. It's like trying to treat a human with a vet or an animal you know what I mean like yeah you you need you need the right you need the right um you need the right things to go together so if you've got specific issues with your microbiome then it makes sense that you would need the specific strains that you need for your particular issues and I imagine that this would have quite an impact on weight um I know that's something I work with a lot of stress and anxiety and Something that always comes up for people um, that I work with is those self-esteem issues and the things that mm. they're saying to themselves in their head about how they look and how they feel. And so, um, yeah, I know I can imagine for I can imagine for your clients potentially too. But I know I know so many ladies and myself included who struggle with with weight, and I can imagine that this must have such an impact on that. 
Yeah, and that's I'm glad you brought that up because as we were talking about before, just about all my clients want to lose weight. And look, we I mean, it's such a big topic, right? We could talk about that for the next five hours, I reckon. But, <laughs> but I think long story short, as I was saying in my reel earlier, like on Saturday, is that you'll never lose weight if there's inflammation, if there's gut dysbiosis. And look, and I'll go into that just for a minute. The reason you can't lose weight with gut dysbiosis is because often you're holding on to weight because you're, because you're producing a lot of gas mm. and, and you're bloated. So, and I've personally experienced that myself and I know what that feels like as someone who has had SIBO and I'm currently going through another relapse of SIBO that I'm treating I've, I have or have or have currently had IBS as well as a result of two C-sections, a long story there, and I, I can explain that actually in a minute. Um, and I can feel the difference. So the moment I start bloating up, I can physically see it mm-hmm. and I can feel it. And a lot of people don't pass wind either. So that gas is sitting there mm-hmm. making you feel like you've got this huge waste line and it's actually gas that's trapped, that's not coming out. And you'd be surprised if when someone does a colonic and they have a lot of trapped gas, you will pass so much wind through a colonic before you even pass fecal matter. Because mm-hmm. you can have you can have gas trapped in your colon that's also causing constipation problems. Oh like it's God. this whole thing. Yeah. You heard so, it here first, ladies, don't hold it in. <laughs> Let it out. No, no. I mean <laughs> and, and just and just on that as well you need to move your bowels every day. So I've heard some experts say, oh, um, it's normal to pass anywhere from, to have anywhere from three bowel movements a week to seven bowel movements a week. No, you need to move your bowels every day. You need to poo every single day. If not, twice a day is amazing, but that's that's rare. Um, But you have to do a good poo every day, every day. Yeah. I heard someone say... um... Something like if you are eating three decent meals a day, that it's not unusual to then have three decent foods a day. Is that so? Not well. Yeah, we're going to talk about in, in that sense. It's about. I never intended trans- this topic to go to poo. No, that's I'm okay. Sorry. You know what? You know what? I, I I went another podcast some months ago, and we just talked about poo as well. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> we ended up just talking about poo. So. Um, that's to do with transit. That's, 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 that's to do with transit time. So when you eat, from the moment you eat to the moment it comes out on the other end, typical transit time is between 24 to 48 hours. 48 is quite long for you to, to not literally pass that food back out the other end, mm-hmm. but it's around 24 hours. So if you're pooping after each meal, you're not passing that meal. You're passing yesterday's meals. Yeah. Um, yes, but I, I don't think it would be, I don't think it's actually quite normal to move your bowels after every meal three times. I would think you should be pooping in the morning because your colon is in a, it absorbs water at night, excretes it in the morning. Mm. So that's why when you do constipation medications, it's better to take them at night with lots of water because it, because your colon is absorbing and in the morning mm. it'll pass it out. Okay. That's, that's very yeah. handy to know. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Okay. You were oh, mentioning so, about the C-section as well. Did you want to elaborate on that? Yeah. So I did a really amazing SIBO course, practitioner course early. I did two actually, but I did one this year that was amazing. And um, there was discussion there around what causes SIBO. And one of the reasons is 
as a result of cesareans or abdominal um, surgeries. Mm -hmm. So what happens is, is that when you have a C-section, they're obviously opening you up and taking everything out and putting it back in, and you will have scar tissue as a result of the incision. That scar tissue can literally cause, um, it's almost like a straitjacket effect where scar tissue will wrap around um, parts of the colon or attach to it, causing pockets of, um, how would you say, they cause pockets of bacteria getting trapped. Mm -hmm. So we have what's called a migrating motor complex, which happens in between meals, which is why it's not good to be constantly eating. When you're not eating, your natural migrating motor complex will flush out excess bacteria, particularly in the small intestine. So when you have abdominal adhesions, they, the scar tissue can stop that natural flow because it's literally um, attaching itself to parts that it shouldn't be attached to. And you can get up, end up with little pockets of bacterial overgrowth and then mm -hmm. they cause all the problems. Yeah. So that's what I mean about I IBS can be, and SIBO can be from abdominal surgeries, which C-section being a big one. Yeah. Um, and SIBO is very common after C-sections yeah. because of that as well. Yeah. Wow. Um, and I know we might be circling back here a little bit, but we were talking before just on that weight loss topic. Um, you were beginning to mention things yes. that you, you, I think you posted in a reel um, yes. or a poll on your stories maybe. I Have did both, yeah. <laughs> six things before you try and lose weight. And, yes. you know, I remember looking at those thinking, well, no. <laughs> Why yeah. would I have checked I those things? Could you explain it? Could you explain to us? Because that's just going back to how the microbiome and the gut health can, yes. Uh, yes. you know, can yep. potentially impact mm. how healthy a weight you are. Yeah. So we yourself. talked about so we talked about the effects of the microbiome, and the microbiome has huge effects on, um, you know, your ability to maintain weight because of overgrowth of pathogens leading to bloating but also because if you're not pooping every day, you're also not eliminating estrogen byproducts. So we're talking about um, the ability for the liver to break down estrogen and it's mostly excreted out through feces. So if you're not pooping every day because of constipation, you're literally um, recycling estrogen and you're becoming estrogen dominant, which is also going to impede weight loss to a big extent. Mm -hmm. um, hence why I was saying you have to poo every day to balance your estrogen as well. Um, what happens is we have a very specific enzyme called beta-glucuronidase that the gut bacteria make in the gut as well as it occurs in the liver as well. But in the gut, bacteria make an enzyme called beta-glucuronidase that helps eliminate thyroid hormone excess, estrogen excess, toxins, and carbohydrates. And if, you have, if you're not pooping, what happens is, is that the beta-glucuronidase becomes very high. And the moment it becomes very high, the bacteria start recycling the estrogen back into the body. So mm -hmm. beta-glucuronidase is really important when it's balanced. The moment it's too high, you're recycling estrogen. And it's, it goes hand-in-hand hand with constipation and it goes hand-in-hand hand with them giving you high histamine symptoms. So mm -hmm. whole other topic, but most people have a histamine problem because they have an estrogen problem. Mm -hmm. And that's a big finding in the perimenopause space. So when ladies have a lot of these awful perimenopause symptoms like the hot flashes, the anxiety, the gut issues, they mm -hmm. usually have big fluctuations of estrogen big fluctuations of histamine that need mm -hmm. to be balanced through diet and balancing the microbiome to a large extent. Um, so there's that. Mm -hmm. then, there's, then there's thyroid. So stress impacts your thyroid a lot, but thyroid is a, is a metabolism gland in the body. So it does 
balance and manage your metabolism. So that's why I was saying, are you overweight because you have a thyroid problem that you don't know of and are unable to balance your metabolism? So getting thyroid checked is worth doing before you start trying to reduce calories and exercising a lot. Then I was talking about vitamin deficiencies and everyone I'm seeing at the moment are low in iron. Now, iron by itself doesn't become low by itself. It can become low as a result of a low iron diet, so not enough protein, but it can be that you're low in iron cofactor, factors like vitamin A, B12, zinc. So checking all your vitamins is going to very much help understand, well, am I nutrient deficient, deficient, so therefore my body is holding on to whatever nutrients it possibly can because I'm deficient. Mm. You are unable... You are, you are unable to lose weight if your body doesn't have nutrients. Yeah. Um, that must also, be so, can we, can we just say that again? You are unable to lose weight if your body is nutrient deficient. And the reason I wanted to repeat that is because yeah. there was this thought, there was this flashing in my mind. I know for me at times previously, not now that I do understand uh, why we need to eat more of the right foods but previously if someone had said to me that I was that I was putting on weight because I was deficient in something it just wouldn't have made sense so I'm so glad that you I'm so glad that you said that and I think I'm not explaining this very well but what was what was going through my mind was you just don't piece together that not having enough of something could lead to a weight gain does that make sense? It, it's, it's hard to get your concept around it because mm-hmm. a lot of people think oh, I'm just fatter because I'm lazy and eat too much. <laughs> you know, we get told that. You're yeah, too I sedentary. enjoy my and Oreos yeah, at night time. So yeah, and, and so, and look, and it's interesting actually that comment you just made because um, a lot of people are so busy during the day and they start the day off just with coffee. And that actually really impacts your blood glucose levels. Mm-hmm. So then you're like, oh, no, I'm busy, busy, busy. Had my coffee, not eating, not eating, not eating. Your body needs nutrients yeah. for everything. You get to the nighttime and your body's looking for nutrients. Mm-hmm. And we, re- we reach for the sugar because sugar is a fast, it, it's a fast energy giver. Yeah. It's instant. Um, I watched this exercise physiologist years ago say, if you if you have lo- like lolly, like pure sugar, mm-hmm. if you don't go and exercise that within within the next thirty minutes, it will be stored as fat. Oh, because so it's an so it's, it's, it's instant, it's instant energy, instant, yeah. and that's why the body looks for that. You, you crave it because you need instant energy because you're just mm-hmm. like, oh my god. And yeah. a lot of the time, people say, well, are you nutrient deficient? Well, you probably are because you've not eaten properly all day long. Mm-hmm. Um, most people I speak to don't have breakfast because they wake up not hungry um, and they just think I'm just going to fast so I can lose some weight. But at some point your body needs some nutrients. Absolutely. I used to wake up feeling so bloated from the day mm. from the day before that that would be my reasoning for not eating in the morning. Like, oh, no, I'm still full from yesterday. You know, that yeah, sort and that's of probably, thing. And that's, that's probably from eating too late. So mm-hmm. something I learned through doing a – perimenopause menopause mastermind training was that uh and i actually really agree with it eat your dinner by seven and don't eat after seven Mm -hmm. do it do a 12 to 14 hour fast overnight so you have your breakfast at nine now that's a 14 hour fast yeah um and that's actually very reasonable to do that Mm. Uh, but then eat but then eat 
Um, and you don't have to have this huge breakfast, you know, but, but even something as simple as um, a protein shake with some uh, berries and spinach and things like that is, is still really, really good start to the day mm. than having a coffee, for example. Yeah. Yeah, I've yeah, been yeah. putting cauliflower, frozen cauliflower in my protein shakes in the morning and it just makes it oh, so cool. creamy. <laughs> oh, um, nice. Yeah, okay. So so vitamins is another, so vitamin deficiency is another thing to check if you are on a weight loss journey. And what yep. were the other things in that? Yeah, the other thing was inflammation. inflammation. So a big, big topic. Most people are chronically inflamed and you won't lose any weight if you're inflamed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's too hard. The body is not able to deal with all of that because some people don't, people don't realize that uh, reducing calories and exercising is a stressor on the body. Mm-hmm. So your body needs to, your body is adaptable to stress. It's, we're designed to handle stress, but you're not going to handle stress very well if you're already inflamed and stressed. It's just yeah. too much. The body is designed to go through periods of stress and then relaxation. As you yeah. know, you exactly. need to go back to your baseline of, as, as we know, rest and digest yeah. is so true. If yeah. You're not resting, you're not digesting. And resting doesn't mean you're sleeping. It means that you're in a calm state. Yeah, that's exactly but right. You're, 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 not, in, you're not in fight or flight. Yeah. Yeah, that your nervous system is calm. Mm. Then you'll be able to digest properly, your migrating motor complex works properly, you're able to poop properly, all of those things function properly. Mm. Um so they were some of the big ones. There was another there was six, but I can't remember. I'd have to look up my post again because I wrote okay. it down. Ladies can go uh, and check out the post if you Yeah, like. <laughs> check out the post and, and I and I step you through all that. And interestingly, it is all the pillars. And I wrote that post because I was like, this is the pillars that I do as part of my wellness programs with all my clients as the fundamentals and um someone asked i did a live on saturday talking about this on my instagram and someone asked a really good question because i said to them i said to my audience you'll never lose weight until your body is in balance Mm -hmm. and then someone said well what what is what is balance Mm -hmm. how do you know your body's in balance i'm like great question and i said she's one of my clients actually i said to her your body will be in balance when your blood markers are in the optimal range when there's, when there's minimal gut dysbiosis, when your inflammation is down and when your hormones are balanced. So you're, if you don't have a thyroid hormone issue, your inflammation, so your CRP and ESR and your blood test results are, are in a good low range. Your LPS inflammation in your gut is low. That's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't have a thyroid problem and your vitamins are in a good place and you're eating properly then we can start playing around with calorie fluctuations and increasing the exercise because you cannot increase your exercise if you're, if you're inflamed and stressed. Mm-hmm. So your exercise can be at a higher demand when you're, when you're resting enough when you're eating properly and you're not yeah. vitamin deficient and hormonally imbalanced. So we can push the limits of your body when you're in, when you're in that state already, when you're, we've, we've sorted out all the things you've been doing that for a while retested you again and your blood markers all look great and we look at your gut again all that's going in the good direction we can start playing around with calorie fluctuations yeah and wow. increasing so the much exercise to take into consideration isn't there and yeah yeah so many things that i know i would have never considered never considered no just no that, so oh, well i'm I, eating well and i'm exercising more why aren't i losing weight and that can then make you really down yeah more stressed and then impact your weight oh it does and and i get it because i know what that feels like like i recently was like because i've always been a pretty steady weight besides pregnancy i've always been a really steady weight the last couple of weeks i've suddenly gained 
almost two and a half kilos, which for me is a lot because I'm really short. Um, and I'm like, what's going on here? And then I realized, hang on, I've been breastfeeding the last seven years and I've now almost totally weaned my three-year-old. Mm-hmm. I've also just turned 38 and I have been dealing with SIBO and IBS. Yeah. So there's all these things I need to work on. So I have not reduced calories. I'm doing exercise because you do need to exercise, but I'm not going crazy with it. And uh, at the moment, I'm really focusing on getting quality sleep because for me, that's an area I've been really down the hill for some years is quality sleep. Yeah. So that yeah, needs to be in a better pain. place. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. But yeah. You, do, you do turn a corner eventually, but it can take some time. And a lot of the mums that see me say, oh, my God, I just can't shift this weight, but I sleep awful. But every time I exercise, I get really run down and sick. And I said, because you can't handle that kind of exercise until your inflammation and stress has come down. Oh, my God. That's a pin drop moment for me. I actually thought I must have had something, I don't know, in my brain, some sort of subconscious belief or something in there. I experience the same thing. Every time I start getting in these really good exercising patterns, I become run down and stressed. And I was like, well, this is a real upper limit problem here. <laughs> yeah, there's an upper that limit. Exactly right. Exactly yes, right. my body's I'm saying, saying, hang on, no, no, you need to look at something. Okay, yeah, now I know body, what I need your, to look your, at. Your body is saying we're dealing with a lot of stresses, potentially inflammation. This is, an, uh, this is another stressor. And so your audience understands as well, because I do a lot of genetic testing as well. I look at, I look at inflammatory pathways in people's mm. bodies. Some people have a predisposition to be chronically inflamed. Now, it doesn't mean that they will always be that way, but if you have a higher predisposition, it usually goes hand in hand with needing longer recovery times from intense exercise. Yeah. So some people just like just keep flogging themselves thinking, if I just keep doing it, I've got to adapt. It's actually the opposite. Your inflammatory cytokines get very, very flared up and they don't go away easily. So you can't mm-hmm. elevate and then stay here and keep going. You have to get it back down. Yeah before you can go up again. So it's about understanding those thresholds and limits and really listening to your body. If you are doing, say, F45 or CrossFit-type workouts and you're feeling so buggered, really, really buggered after and recovery just feels awful, chances are you've got some inflammation in the background that you need to sort out. Mm. Um, or you've got some, like I said, hormonal problems, vitamin deficiencies. You've got to start exploring what's going on. Yeah. Quickest cheapest way to do that go get a blood test done but don't rely on the gps ranges because those laboratory ranges aren't optimal go to a nutritionist or naturopath and get them checked properly yeah so that's what i do as part of my wellness program is i I give you the list of bloods to go get done you bring them back to me i analyze them in my spreadsheet and then i go through them with you and i make those correlations yeah yeah wow yeah so much to consider. That is That's a lot. It's a lot. Oh, no. And then my mind like, oh is like, oh, should we talk about inflammation now? Or my brain's like, oh, my God, so many things that I'd love to talk about. We might have to do a second episode. You <laughs> might have to, yeah. You like, might have to I do a part two because there's just, like I know working again, working with stress, like inflammation, it's just something that so many people have and don't mm. realize just how much it can impact disease and chronic illness um and they don't understand how they become like how the inflammation happens and i just uh, yeah my mind's just like tick 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 there is i think um inflammation is a good one to talk about because i guess people will probably ask you how do i know if i'm inflamed Mm. 
right? How do I know if I'm inflamed? Well, your C-reactive protein and your ESR and your blood test will be elevated. That's one mm -hmm. marker. Yeah. LPS inflammation in the gut will be elevated. So that's, that's, that's three markers that clearly show there's inflammation. Yeah. But also if, you're, if, you've got, if you've got the brain fog going, if you find it hard to recall information mm -hmm. um, or concentrate, or especially if you wake up in the morning and it's really hard to get out of bed and you, and you find it really hard to get going and you wake up and you're still really tired, that's probably a really big sign that something's yeah. gone wrong. And it's probably worth tracking your sleep through like, so I wear my watch at the moment. I'm not a fan of these kind of watches, but at the moment I really want to see what's going on with my sleep. Yeah. So I've been tracking it the last week. It's really helped me understand and make an effort because sometimes you need evidence in your face yeah. to make an effort. Because um, I wasn't, I, I think for years I've just been like, I'm doing all the things when the big elephant in the room was like, well, your sleep is shit though, you know? <laughs> so I've yeah. been really bad for that. I have to admit that's not something that I've made a priority, but I am now because that's the, that's the only time that you really are going to rest. Yeah. And so inflammation untreated or undealt with, can you elaborate a little bit on where that so might lead I, people? Yeah. Not to scare so people, I, but just to understand yeah. that there are very real physical health consequences by going around living in the brain fog, living in these states all the yeah. time um, and not acknowledging that you're not meant to be feeling this way. So, um, yeah, long-term inflammation can lead to autoimmune conditions, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, thyroid problems, which is an autoimmune condition, um, and even cancer. So um, these inflammatory cytokines hang around and never go away, and then they'll trigger the immune system to be constantly dealing with it. That's what inflammation is, basically. Um, it's not normal for your body to be constantly in that state. From a gut perspective, what I've noticed is that it harbors the overgrowth of pathogenic bacteria. Mm -hmm. So I'm talking overgrowth of strep streptococcus species, enterobacter species. I'm talking like nasty, nasty bugs. Mm -hmm. They in itself can lead to cancer. So fusobacteria is one is one bacteria uh, phylum that is associated with colorectal cancer, um, inflammatory bowel disease. From a gut perspective, that's what happens. Yeah. So so. And when you're chronic, chronically inflamed, it is also a stress response and stress then means that for some people, it means chronic diarrhea and constipation. Mm -hmm. And that leads to nutrient deficiencies because what can happen as well is that your gut stops absorbing vitamins. You can end up with um, losing your good bacteria that keep the gut lining strong. Yeah. In increased gut permeability means you become nutrient deficient and then everything goes downhill yeah. after that. So it's just it's a cascade, and it's also the mental health aspect as well. Like you, you wouldn't, you would probably find yourself constantly irritable, constantly angry or anxious or depressed. Yeah. So the mental health is a big part of it too. Yeah, absolutely. So not something to be ignored. <laughs> no, no, don't. You know, I always ask people when you wake up in first thing in the morning, do you feel positive about the day and what and what it entails? Or do you feel this sense of dread, like, oh, my God, oh, my God? You know, if you're feeling like that, that's a big sign you need to do something about your chronic stress and inflammation. Mm, you absolutely. should, you should, even though we're busy people, you should feel positive about your life. Yeah. I think that 
for me, it's a big deal yeah. that I wake up in the morning and I feel positive about everything. I don't feel like, oh my god, oh my god. You know, you shouldn't. Like, you really. Should, I mean, this is this is the only life we have. Every day should be a good day. You know. Exactly. I completely, completely agree with you. Now. You wake up in the morning and you're a very, very busy woman, right? <laughs> you, you, have, you have your full-time job. You have a thriving business. You're a mum. Have you, have you got two children? Three? Two, yeah. Three, yeah. So three and, well, you said you've been breastfeeding for seven years, so I'm going to say three and seven. Okay. Yes, yes. <laughs> I've got a three and a seven-year-old too. Amelia's three in January and Kalia just turned seven in September. So, Oh, my God, um, yeah, we're the same. Fun <laughs> ages. But um, how do you... How do you look after yourself? Because something that I know I also hear, and you probably hear a lot too, and you touched on it before, is I don't have time or that women mm. feel like they don't have time to look after themselves properly. What yes. do you do and what do you have as non-negotiables as mm. someone who is, I guess, very time committed? You're, you're, yes. I don't like to use the word yes. busy, to be honest, but you're, t- you're time committed. You have a lot yes. of commitments. Yep. What? How do you look after yourself? What are your non-negotiable? So at the moment, my non-negotiable is exercise at least three times a week. So whatever that looks like for you, for me, it's at the moment it's swimming. Yep. So I look ahead in my calendar for the week and I say, where can I block out my calendar to go swimming? Mm. So it wasn't something I was prioritizing, to be honest, until the last probably month or so because I can see it's really affecting my health. Yeah, And so gaining weight is one is one thing because I, I find myself because I work from home mostly I was finding myself very sedentary like ridiculously sedentary so I started wearing my Apple watch and really tracking how much movement I'm actually having and when I do exercise you should see the difference that makes to all my movement signs everything it's just like if it's, it's only 30 minutes I don't do crazy exercise I do 30 minutes of swimming three to four times a week yeah that's it yeah and another thing is I also make sure I carve out the time to have a proper breakfast. Mm-hmm. So I usually drop off my daughter at daycare and I'll go straight to one of my favorite cafes. I only, I'm very picky up to where I eat, but I always order the same kind of healthy food from specific places. And I take that time to just eat a meal mm-hmm. in the morning and then I'll start my day properly. And that's usually very, very busy. Um, but the quality of my food is a non-negotiable. Yeah. I'm actually really diligent about healthy eating, obviously because of what I do, but also because I I have IBS. I have had SIBO earlier this year and everything I put in my mouth makes a big difference yeah. to my gut. Massive, massive difference. Um, and I've also, been, a non-negotiable for me this year was to spend the money on my health mm-hmm. through testing. So it was something that I'm obviously a big advocate of and yet I was putting aside, like everyone else was doing, and yeah. I kind of, kind of, I really walk the talk now. So I've done SIBO testing. I've done microbiome testing. I've done my blood test. I've done all the things that I do with my clients. I've done it on myself. Yeah. And really committing to that as well. And that's made a world of difference this year. And then finally, a non-negotiable for me is to actually carve out time with girlfriends and actually have dinner with the girls or breakfast with a friend or something where it's, enjoyable and relaxational from that perspective and socializing is a big thing for most people is having a meal with a friend having that time where you can sit down without the chaos of the kids and actually 
just chill because I think a lot of mums don't do that where they actually do something for them like that and and mindful eating and happy social eating is actually really crucial in how your digestion functions isn't it yes absolutely like eating relaxed how many people can say hand on heart that they eat relaxed no I started when I learned that if I wasn't sitting down to actually focus on my food because mealtimes for us were becoming really stressful. My miss seven-year-old um, became quite, uh, I don't know if it's picky or I don't know, whatever you want to call it, but she was refusing to eat pretty much anything I put in front of her for quite a long period of time. And so dinner time became really stressful for a while because I didn't know how to deal with that. And then I learned that if I wasn't in a state of relaxation, when I was eating that I wasn't actually going to be digesting properly and absorbing my nutrients properly. And, and I thought, Oh, well, how can I function again? It comes back to looking after you. If I'm not looking after me, then I can't look after them properly. So I found Mm. ways to um, deal with that situation without letting it work me up and stress me out. Um, Mm. But it's definitely not something I ever thought of before to not, you know, to, not eat on the run, you know, not yes. walk around doing 10 things at once while you're munching on your food or just yes. to actually yes. focus and eat and do it mindfully and chew your food properly and just simple, simple things that we, so many of us would take for granted. And I know I used to, but that actually make a massive difference. It does. And I know it's hard to start doing that. And so I probably have thrown a lot of information at your audience today. <laughs> So don't start. All very valuable, by the way. <laughs> and, look, and look, I've met some people who are like, nah, Lucia, I've signed up to your most full-on package because I'm just going to do all the things. And I love that approach because I usually get really good results. But if you're not at that place, I think you need to take at least one thing out of today and just do that. Yeah. You know, I, you do have to start small. Like when I started exercising again, I just did 15 minutes with a kickboard in the swim pool. That's it. Yeah. Just to not feel like I was putting all this pressure on myself because the mindset needs to start moving in that direction before it can become a habit. If mm. you go, no, nah, that's it. i got to do an hour exercise five times a week and i got to start today. It's very overwhelming and you're probably not going to do it. It's not you know? sustainable at all from a, from a um, habit building perspective and the amount yeah. of time that it takes for those new neural pathways to develop yes. in the brain it's not sustainable to go and just jump into something like that without without gradually allowing your brain time to learn how to do something new regularly yeah. for a sort of and, you know, habit. and one thing I do want to let people know is that now it's become my new motto is if mum gets healthy everyone gets healthy in the household yeah. so don't do the whole I'm going to focus on this person and then this person and this person if you get healthy, everyone will just naturally follow. And I've noticed that in my household that I'm very much the pioneer of health because if I don't, if I fall away with all my habits, you should see how much everyone else does mm. too. Yeah. Even if I try yeah, to make them continue, right. they don't continue. So, for example, I've started really being diligent about my food and exercise lately. Two weeks later, my husband has started now too. Yeah. And you should see him. He's like, he's at the gym right now. Yeah. He hasn't been to the gym in like six years, you know? So, yeah. Oh, well, that's amazing. And you are right. I know the same thing happens in my household. If I fall off, I'll fall off the wagon for lack of much better terms, I'm sure. But if I fall off the wagon, so does everybody else. 
And if my eating habits become quick and convenient rather than intentional and nourished, so does everybody else's. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And, And I've been making a big effort with my food. So I've been making an effort to buy fresh fish two or three times a week. And now my three-year-old eats it with me. She loves fish. So she's, yeah. she'll eat, she can eat all the fish. It's really good. So, and my husband is now on a health kick because I am too. And he doesn't admit that, but it's, that's true. That's what it is. Yes, <laughs> so. Absolutely. I just wanted to, just one more super quick thing. Yep, Circle yep. back to something that you actually, we chatted about before we started recording this episode. And I just think it is so important for audiences who are ladies who are, feeling like they are maybe not at their optimal weight or at their healthiest. And it was something that you said that was just so real that I think people need to hear about an ideal weight and how we often have expectations about what our ideal weight should be when that might not actually be what's right for us. So, yes, yes. So I learned this the hard way. So don't learn this the hard way like me. So when I was competing in bodybuilding comps, I got, I was, I remember stepping on the scales before going on stage and I, w- I went down to as low as 43 kilos. Mm-hmm. Now that is ridiculously light. I was happy. I loved how I looked. Don't get me wrong. It's nice to be skinny, right? It's nice. It's a nice feeling. Everything fits. Everything everything looks great. And I get it because I lived that for quite some years. And I was so hell-bent on that because, as we were talking about earlier, a lot of us have stigma around how we look based on previous traumas. And for me, mm-hmm. it was it was growing up feeling quite chunky and fat yeah. and being told that as well. And that I carried that all through my 20s and I felt like I developed a semi-eating disorder because I just wanted to feel beautiful, to be honest. I just wanted to feel, I didn't want to be the ugly girl at school, the ugly chubbier girl at school Mm -hmm. that I I was, I felt I was, you know. And um, I soon came to realise that for me, because I'm quite short, I'm only five foot one, my healthy weight is 50 kilos. That's what I I tend to stay at when all my blood markers are are in a good range. And that's something I wanted to tell people is if you focus on getting healthy, and that means low gut dysbiosis, hormones balanced. Um, you do your blood tests and they're all in a nice optimal range. That is your healthy self at whatever kilograms that is. So um, while we might be carrying a little bit of extra fat that we aesthetically don't like looking at, it actually may be the healthy weight that our body likes to be at to maintain healthy vitamin hormonal gut status. Mm. And that's the weight that we probably should be rather than the weight we think we should be because when I, you know, you tell yourself things like, oh, but when I was 47, 48 kilos, I liked how I looked. But is that the healthy weight that you should be, Mm. you know? Yeah. And there's probably, I know you mentioned acceptance and I work a lot with with self-acceptance. There's probably a lot of acceptance and, and mindset and subconscious belief work that needs to go into accepting Mm. um you know if it's not again aesthetically how you might want but it is actually healthy beginning with acceptance of this is how I am and this is what my body does for me and and those sorts of things might be a nice place to start as well I think so like I think if you really made an effort to you know eat healthy and get those 
testing done and see where that healthy range is and then go hop back on the scales and look at what that kilogram weight is. Just just have a look. Like I got myself to a really healthy state. What does that weight look like? And I was telling you before I had two clients who coincidentally lost four and a half kilos in mm. four weeks through my program, but the goal wasn't weight loss. It was health. So they lost weight and perhaps they needed to lose that weight to get to the healthy place. Mm. You know, so you, so if you, so you may lose weight getting to the healthy place, which is great because that's the healthy weight, not yeah. because you're wanting to be thin, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So yeah, it's definitely about being healthy and making sure that everything is functioning at its optimal um, levels inside of your body yeah, to support you. Exactly. Because this is your vehicle. This is, you know, <laughs> this, is, yeah. this is your car to get you to get you through this lifetime. So, you know, if your car breaks down, well, you've got to fix it, right? Well, exactly. Yeah. And, it's, and it is different for men and women. I think for women, we are so much harder on ourselves because we can't push our limits too much because of fertility, of balancing your menstrual cycle and hormones, of uh, menstrual cycle fluctuations during that cycle month. We do have hormonal fluctuations and that does mean holding on to more fluid or less. And so that can make you feel a certain kind of way. Um, that's different to, to men. I think that, you know, it was just so different. So I often do see men pushing the limits of health and all this stuff. And I kind of think, yeah, but they don't have to sustain life. Yeah. So, yeah. so women's, women's whole biology is to sustain life. So we're, we're geared up to make a life and be pregnant. That's what a whole menstrual cycle is focused on, right? Yeah. So, so that's different to, I'm just going to survive. You know, like yeah. it's just different. Absolutely. So it is different. It is. Yeah. Wow. Oh my goodness. So much goodness from this episode today. Mm -hmm. Oh my god. I'm so glad that we were finally able to chat. Now, I will put everything into the show notes. Um, all of the ways that you can work with Lucia. All of her social media links, website and everything. But would you just like to tell listeners who like to hear things rather than go searching through show notes, <laughs> where can we find you? So uh, my Instagram is at nutrition.is.medicine. Fabulous. So that's, that's my, and, I, and that's where I live. Um, yep. That's where my biggest following is. That's where I do all my work in and, and education on. And then I've got my website, nutritionismedicine.com.au. And then um, I have a newsletter as well. So you can join my newsletter through my webpage and get newsletters and information through there. So I, I got, I did a really cool post the other day. I just said, food is my biggest weakness. And I talked about food behaviors in there because mm -hmm. a lot of people say, oh, but I can't stop eating or I can't control my food. Yeah. Lots of, lots of exploration in there. Probably another topic, actually. <laughs> I think so. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> And I think probably yes. we could complement each other quite well on the emotional eating side of that too. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, some people really do emotionally eat. Um, yeah. but, and it's complex, but I look at that through genetics with people. It, mm. Genetics explains a lot of that, which is interesting. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Oh, so, so much that you can learn from getting these testings done and so much possibility for your health and your quality of life by working with Lucia. So do you have any, I know you've mentioned the two main programs that you offer. Do you have anything coming up that you want to share at the moment or just get in um, touch for a chat about 
working with your program? Just, yeah, just just get in touch. I mean, I do offer just one-off, one-on-one consults um, and you can do just a one-off microbiome test with the consult. That's part of that offering. But the core of my offerings is the gut wellness and ultimate wellness package just because um, it's very difficult to help with one one consult only. Yeah. Um, and if I do a microbiome test only, we haven't had that initial discussion. You know, there's a lot to talk about and I yeah. often want to see some bloods as well to complement that. So I feel like the one-stop shop is the gut wellness package as yeah. a really good starting point because then I can do the bloods, the microbiome testing and all the consulting is part of that as well. So I feel like we can have that journey together and it's a lot more impactful. Perfect. And if you have one takeaway, if you were hoping that anyone listening today took one major thing away or one tiny thing away, what would you, what would you want that takeaway to be? I would, if we've just one thing that's easy, I would say once a year, get your blood test done. That's it. Once a year. Once a year, get your blood test done. Um, I think you really need to see for yourself where things are at. That's, that's, that's free through your GP. That's one thing you can do that's free. Wonderful. Yeah. So amazing. Thank you so, so much for your time today and all of the wisdom and knowledge that you have shared with us. I highly, highly encourage you to get in touch, go and get your microbiome tested, get your genetic testing done and do what you can to support yourself, your physical health, because it is just so important, which will also in turn impact your mental health as well. Go and get it all supported. Thank you so much. And it was so lovely Thank to you. talk to you. Thank you, Jess. Thank you very much. You have been listening to Alive and Thriving by Inspired Life Collective. Did you know that you can help us to impact even more women on their well-being journey simply by subscribing to this podcast and leaving a review? If stress or anxiety, life or business has got you feeling inside like you are just busting to come back to life, then I invite you to book a discovery call with me so we can chat about how Inspired Life Collective private and online services might be able to support you through your journey. I am so, so grateful to you for being here and having me in your ears. So until the next episode, just remember that you were born to thrive.